You're listening to the Cheer Biz Podcast, where we dive into the business of running and owning your gym. Join us as we speak to industry experts, business gurus, and discuss how we can take your passion and turn it into profit. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are talking about my thoughts on competing at all levels on the USASF score sheet after I had some experience with it this weekend. Now, before we get into the episode, make sure you've gone over to Cheer Gym Owners on Facebook and you've joined that group. You've joined All-Star Cheer Coaches and Owners on Facebook as well. And you are checking out nextgenowners.com to learn more about the Academy. The last two things I've got to recommend to you. One, you have to get registered for our conference in Dallas this June. It's our cream of the crop conference. It's absolutely the best one we host all year, although they're always amazing. You're not going to want to miss this one. Skills tracks, owners tracks, so many amazing stuff, amazing vendors. Do not miss this conference in Dallas. It's going to be the best conference of the summer. So we want to see you there and check out Danielle's book, The Cheer Gym Owner's Handbook. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Great content. If you are a cheer gym owner, you need this book. It is just a great reminder of everything you should be doing in your gym. And keep a lookout for some more books on the horizon. All right. Now, let's get into my thoughts on the USASF score sheet. Um, now, we competed this last weekend at Jams Nationals in Las Vegas. And I'm going to talk more about the event a little bit later in the episode. But this event was on the USASF score sheet. And the USASF score sheet is new this year. And when we choreographed our routines, we did not choreograph them to the USASF score sheet. And funny story is we actually realized right before the event, like literally the last practice before we left for Vegas, oh, there are required elements to be performed on the USASF score sheet at each level in order to score in the highest stunt difficulty range, which actually impacted two of our teams, uh, our level, well, three technically, our level three team. Uh, needed to add an extended one leg skill in their stunts, uh, which they did. Uh, my level four team needed to add a full up to one leg because we did not have one. We had a low to high, like a prep level to extended level tick, which was newly allowed this year, but USASF required a full up. And we had a uh, level 4.2 that did not have a full up as well. So um, we scrambled a little bit. We made changes to the level four and the level three routine. The 4.2 did not make a change because they were competing against themselves. So they were only going for a level championship position, which they actually ended up winning. Um, but they chose not to make that adjustment to not mess up the routine at all. And we tested it with our level four and our level three teams because there were easy spots so we could add it. And it was something that looked successful and actually uh, both teams, both days hit those additional elements. So that was awesome. Uh, so we had to kind of uh, fire hose drink uh, the USASF score sheet and figure out what we needed to do. Now we had a slight advantage because the USASF score sheet very much mirrors what the world score sheet has been like in the years past. And so having coached world's teams for the last, I think 12 years now, uh, maybe more, uh, I had a a good foundation of knowledge on how USASF scoring generally worked. So we're going to talk about things I like. We're going to talk about the things that I didn't like and a, a couple other little things here and there along the way. So what were the things that I liked about the USASF score sheet? Because it is 100% not the United score sheet. 
And I'll be honest, you guys, I loved it. I loved competing on the USASF score sheet. My first experience doing it with all of my teams, and I freaking loved it. Now, you will say that, well, you feel that way because your teams did really well. And you're right. My team scored very well on the score sheet. Um, I was very happy with the results this weekend. Uh, all of our teams placed in the top two with the exception of one team that uh, placed fifth, and that was still top 50% for their division. Um, and they're a, a wonderful team, but they are a building year team. So we we kind of knew that they wouldn't score quite as high. So the things that I like, well, number one is that because it's not a code of points, like we have pushed for and and asked for, because it is not that code of points, teams that go above and beyond teams that have additional difficulty, additional flash and flair, uh, teams that do additional stunts, teams that do above and beyond in tumbling, have an ability to separate themselves in their difficulty. They have the ability to earn some extra points. And I see both sides because I have been the coach at D2 Summit going to scoring review and going, how did, this was back when it was out of five points, why did my team get a 4.5 on stunt difficulty? That's the absolute top of the high range or the bottom of the high range. Uh, it's not a five. And we did you know, this many extra skills and we did this and this and this. How is it that they scored in the bottom? And the answer was, well, it's that judge's discretion and it's based on the pace and the flow and all these other things that are really somewhat nebulous and hard to figure out. And I was really frustrated. And I was, I was like, just tell me what to do. Uh, and in that moment, I, I don't know that I was thinking the most rationally because I wanted to know the answer at that moment in time because I was frustrated by my score. Now you could say, well, Dan, you're not, you're equally not thinking rationally because your team scored well, but my teams go above and beyond. They do more than is required on the United score sheet on almost every single team because we have some safety skills and some other things like that, but it allows for you to do more groups and get a reward. Like now on the new United score sheet, there's no actual reward for doing uh, you know, three person group stunts where you, you know, what people will refer to as a two man. There's no reward for that unless you have to do it to hit your max quantity. Once you've hit your max quantity or once you've hit your four elite skills, there's no reason to do more technically unless you're just looking for a safety skill to impact your drivers. Now you could argue it impacts the bottom of the score sheet, which I think it does a little bit, but on the United score sheet, you can't separate yourself very far. You're only separating yourself by a few tenths here and there. And on this score sheet, the separations can be much more substantial, much more substantial to a point that if you have a really amazing difficulty with really great execution, that maybe if you have a touchdown or you have a legality deduction, like we did with my level four team, we had one of our skills that is not supposed to be inverted, uh, end up a little bit inverted and we got a one point deduction. Totally fair. We deserved it. I didn't argue it because I'm like, yep, she, I saw it live and I went, that's illegal. Um, and we got the deduction, but it didn't impact our placement because we did so many other things really, really well. And so I thought it was really cool to be on a score sheet where you could, separate yourself by doing more, by going above and beyond. And I, I actually think that it is a score sheet that would encourage us to go back to higher standards, more creativity, um, and honestly, back to an era where I don't think cheer was on the wrong path from a competitive standpoint. Um, 
you have the ability to be rewarded for doing more. I've kind of already mentioned that. And the other thing I love about it is it didn't feel like a pay to win option. And what I mean by that is on the United score sheet, because it's such a code of points, if everyone who hits their routine, if their routine was choreographed correctly, then they're going to get high range for stunts, high range for tumbling, high range for standing tumbling, high range for jumps, high range for baskets. And so the only, and they're going to be like, and maxed out. And then you're going to get high range for pyramid and the separation might be a 10th or two, most likely at most. Then you have the execution side of things, which certainly matters and has impact, but I haven't seen a ton of fluctuation in those numbers this year across multiple competitions, across multiple states, not just my teams looking at everyone's scores. You know, you're seeing, you know, kind of a low end of execution being like the the 4.2s with the high range being the perfect fives on executions. Um, and I don't see a lot of, you know, below 4.3, 4.5s in execution of skills unless it's really, really, really bad. And so that's not creating a large spread between those things. And so the bottom half of the score sheet really ends up making some major decisions. And although on the USASF score sheet, that is still a factor, um, it feels less like if you, I think that you can do better without hiring the most expensive choreographer, having the most expensive music, you can still achieve a great routine and score well. So it feels a little less pay to win in my personal opinion. Again, I'm just giving you guys my personal opinions. Uh, it has nothing to do with anything other than that, but it felt a little less like you had to spend a lot of money on a choreographer or just be really good at choreography to be competitively successful on that score sheet. And I say that I do my own routine. So I do my level four and my level six routine. I help with routines in our gym, but my other coaches do their own routines. So we do in-house choreography and we, we generally consider ourselves pretty decent at it. Um, but I'm not, I don't, when I go do choreography for people, I don't charge them $6,000 for a routine. Um, so you don't, I don't consider myself one of those top tier elite. That's all I do people. And it just feels like it's a little less pay to win. So overall, I really like that score sheet. It also, it is tough on deductions, but deductions are not uh, the deal breaker. It it felt like we were able to take a little stress off of the, hey, you have to hit a perfect zero or else you're not going to win. In fact, I even was able to tell one of my teams, hey, look, as long as you guys execute the things that you executed really well tomorrow, if we have a touchdown, don't stress out. If we have a bobble, don't stress out. You scored really, really, really well. You're, you have a good lead. Don't worry about it. Don't let those things get into your head. You know, Take it one step at a time. And it was great to be able to say that instead of that backstage, you've got to hit, you've got to hit. And like, I talked about that in the Houston, we have a problem episode of, you know, you start creating this extreme level of anxiety in kids when they're like, well, we didn't hit a perfect routine. It's like, yeah, but you did an amazing routine. Yes, there was one issue for one moment in time. Uh, and it just felt like that was not as big of a thing. Some of the things that I didn't love about it, and I don't know how many of these things are um, the score sheets issue and how much of it was just the way the competition worked. Um, and it one of them is that a thing I like, and then it caused a thing that I don't like. But I also like that it is comparative scoring. So they take the time to really look at, okay, looking at this division, 
comparing the scores. This is what of what we saw. This is what this person should be scoring. And I think that's great. I actually miss comparative scoring. Instead of being compared to some fictional model of a team or a team that someone saw at another event across the country and being compared to them and being like, oh, well, your stunts aren't as hard as theirs. So, Because certainly, could your stunts always be harder? Yeah, probably. Your stunts can always be harder. So then no one can get a perfect score if you're not comparing to the competition at hand. No, I don't think you should get a perfect score if you don't warrant it, even if you're the most difficult stunt section of that competition. But being compared against the teams that you're actually competing against, I think, is the is a great factor. Um, I really like that. But because of that, it took a really long time to get scores, and I did not like that aspect of it. So unlike on the United score sheet where you know you wait 15, maybe 20 minutes to get your score sheets, this was like hours, hours and hours and hours because they were holding the division and then doing comparative scoring and making sure that the scores lined up and they were what they felt were correct. Now, I appreciate it because I do think they got it right. There were no divisions that I watched where I was like the wrong team won. I didn't feel like that at all, even to include our teams that did not win. I think that that was the right call. Um, So I think that comparative scoring is great, but I didn't love not being able to see the scores and how long it took. Um, I also don't love the USASF score sheet on the perspective of if a range isn't used correctly, it causes issues. And what I mean by that is if on that score sheet, they're not really using the full ranges and they're only on execution, taking away a single 10th instead of a little bit of a larger chunk, or they're only letting people separate by a single 10th or a couple tenths on a difficulty then it's going to create problems because the score sheet's out of 170 rather than 100. Like So there's a little bit more complex math there. But if it's out of 170 and they're only taking single tenths away, then everyone's scoring really, really, really high. And then those deductions are overly punitive. So they've got to use the ranges correctly for it to be effective. And I think that that would be a potential problem Uh, doing a widespread distribution of this score sheet because you are going to suffer from experienced judges versus less experienced judges are going to, you're going to start to see that stand out as a negative when you have those less experienced judges. Uh, And the, another thing I don't love about it is the hit zero is a really, really elusive thing. At least it was at this competition. And there are things I love about that, and there are things I don't. And what I mean by it was elusive is um, they were being, and again, I'm, I'm probably speaking a little bit more towards jams, but they had amazing USASF officials there, amazing, amazing deductions officials there, and they did not miss a thing, like nothing. Your kids hand brushed the ground when they touched as a touchdown, it got caught. You had an illegality where someone was a little bit inverted or didn't do something uh, correctly. It got caught and it got called. So it made it really, really hard to hit zeros. You saved a stunt, but that flyer was sitting on their back spot. That's a bobble. Um, So those things were really, really aggressive. So it made zeros hard to hit. Uh, I love that from the perspective of it was fair across the board and uh, it was an accurate assessment of the routines that were put on the mat. I don't love it because I love to get those buttons and like neither of my teams got buttons. Literally neither of the teams that I coach, in fact, of our gym, 
my teams were the two teams to not hit zero at all. Every other team at least hit zero once. None of mine hit zero once, but both of mine won. Um, and it was because they were able to set themselves apart on some of the other elements of the score sheet. Um, so I don't love that it was overly punitive, uh, or not overly punitive, that it was really, really harsh scoring on that aspect of the zeros. But I also love it because it's great preparation. Like I know at Worlds, my Worlds team is going to get called for those incomplete twists. So thank you. Thank you. Because now I can show my kids, hey, I know you don't care that I tell you you're going to blow out your ACL if you don't finish this twist, but I know you do care about not hitting zero. So here you go. You got a deduction because you didn't get your twist all the way around. And they care more about that. So I love being able to provide my feedback for the kids on that element. Um, I also didn't love that. I just didn't know the score sheet as well. So it was a lot harder for me to understand everything that was going on. It, it definitely took me more time to like read it. Uh, some of the things that I really like that I think are maybe particular to jams was I could challenge everything if I wanted to, like you could challenge your stunt difficulty. And I actually know a gym owner who did that. She went in and she challenged her stunt difficulty and she said, Hey, I scored the bottom of the high range, the very bottom, no higher, not even a 10th higher. And I do X, Y, and Z skills above and beyond. And because of that, she said, I should be rewarded for this. It says it on the score sheet. I use minimal bases. I do extra skills. I have a fast pace. And they watched it and they gave her more points. They said, yep, you're right that you should absolutely be rewarded for this. And I think that's fantastic. Um, overall, if you've never been to jams nationals in Vegas, you should highly consider it. Like David Sims runs one of the best events in the country, if not the best event in the country. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. He takes care of the coaches. He takes care of his staff. His staff are highly invested. It is the most fun warm up process you can have. Uh, the judging is accurate. The judges have amazing feedback. They provide so many comments for you on your score sheet. Um, you can ask questions, you can go back and get clarification from fantastic judges. Like it was bar none, one of the most amazing events on top of their awards ceremony is above and beyond. It's a full show. It feels like you're going to a concert. I mean, it's just a very, very cool event. And I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and it's been a long time since we were at it. Uh, and it was very well run. Uh, it was an absolutely fantastic event. So if you've never checked it out, I think you should. The last thing that I just kind of want to touch on as an industry, my last kind of parting thought is one of the things I think that makes the USASF score sheet hard, but also great is that it requires good judges. And this is one of the things that I really appreciate about jams, um, is, he really takes care of his judges. He pays them very well. And I think that we as an industry spend a lot of time talking about, you know, how expensive competitions are and how, you know, how much things cost and what are we getting as coaches and what are we getting for the athletes and what are, where is that money being spent? And having run conferences and having run those things, I know how expensive some of these events are between running camps and everything. I know how much these things cost. It's expensive. It is not cheap to run an event at a convention center 99% of the time. Like just what they want to charge you for Wi-Fi, you guys wouldn't even believe. Like we've done conferences where we wanted to get Wi-Fi for our rooms and they told us it was going to be five grand a day. 
to get Wi-Fi. Uh, that wasn't just like their public Wi-Fi. Like you're talking about crazy amounts of money and competitions have to have those things. They have to have that Wi-Fi. They have to have those things. But if there's one thing that I would be willing to continue to pay more for competitions to ensure is that we need to compensate judges appropriately. Like I came home this weekend with a monumental cheer hangover. Cause this event for was four days for me. D two nationals was Friday and Saturday. And then D one and worlds was Sunday, Monday. So it was a four day competition weekend. And it was, I mean, we were there, even though we only had our worlds team, like once we arrived at 1130, we were there until awards. So we were there until seven 30 at night. It was a long day and it's, it can be exhausting, but that's, I had shorter days than the judges did. The judges are getting up at 7 a.m. They're starting judging teams at 8. And if, depending on the competitions company, are they getting cycled through? Are they getting refreshed? Are they getting taken care of? If there's one group of people that we should be taking care of, and honestly, as an industry, trying to make it that you can actually make a decent living doing it, it should be taking care of the judges. Like, we don't have a sport if we don't have judges. If we want to not complain about the the score sheets and the results being wrong and all those things, then we need good judges and to have good judges, they need to be able to make enough money that it's worth doing it. If we're just getting people who are casual judges who just do it kind of for funsies because they love cheer, like that's great. And I'm not saying those people can't be good judges, but if we want truly amazing judges, they're people who have to take it seriously. Like, they have to have such an immense depth of the score sheet and of cheerleading and ability to read routines. Like you've got to get good people. And in order to get good people, you have to compensate them. So just if you have anything, if I can just say industry in general, if there's one thing we need to be petitioning for, it's to be getting the best possible judges and to do that to make it so those judges are getting compensated well for their time. And I just think that will make a huge difference all in all in what we do with scoring uh, and how competition results work out. All right. So as we leave the episode, I don't have any marching orders for you. This isn't, there's no call to action other than come to conference, whatever score sheet you're on. I hope you're having an amazing season. Well, I'm back to the United score sheet until I go to worlds where I'm on the USASF score sheet. If you're on the open score sheet, they have some, ama- like there's so many amazing people out there really working to get this right. and. I don't think anyone has negative actions or negative intent behind any of their score sheets. I think everyone's trying to do the best possible job. I'll just tell you what, being on a score sheet that is not a code of point score sheet made me uh, reminiscent for the days where we were not on a code of points because I kind of miss it. I kind of miss it. Um, So that said, I hope you all are doing well. If you ever need anything from NextGen, please make sure you're reaching out. Reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook. You can shoot me a Facebook message. Uh, You can send me an email, dan at nextgenowners.com. I'm here for you. We have your back. We want you to build the best possible gym you can and have the future that you dream of. All right, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you on the next episode. What up, party people? This is Jason Larkins, host of the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I've teamed up with Kristen Wheeler of the Cheer Mom podcast and Dan Cotton of the Cheer Biz podcast. That's right. Hey, everybody, Kristen here. We know that you love cheer, so why not dive into more perspectives? Tune into my podcast, the Cheer Mom podcast, for cheer issues spoken from the parents' perspective. Then head over to Dan's podcast, the Cheer Biz podcast, to learn from a gym owner 
on how to run a successful cheer business. And of course, don't miss the Let's Talk Cheer podcast featuring Jason Larkins, the one that we all know and love, where they talk about cheer from a coach's perspective. Which means whether you're a coach, a cheer parent, or a gym owner, we've got you covered. Find all three podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and stay tuned for new episodes each week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cheer Biz Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.